You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. It is a Morning Brew with Stu and Draft Capital collab. Draft Capital is the podcast that I co-host with my guy, Mo Murphy, who is joining us today to co-host this collab episode so if, if it's a collab episode then that means we're talking nfl draft nfl draft quarterbacks and some of our favorite prospects me and mo murphy are we've had some chances to watch some tape i've dug in deep we're gonna talk corners some quarterbacks a little bit of linebackers mo texted me i texted mo see if he wanted to do the show he said he had watched corners and linebackers and quarterbacks i was digging deep into the running backs and wide receivers so i had to Switch gears real quick to watch some corners and linebackers. I don't have a ranking for a linebackers, but I do for a corner. They're not they're not going to be my published ranking, so they will be a rough draft as of right now. But Mo, welcome to the show, and I'm excited to get Draft Capital back up and going. I'm excited to talk about the NFL draft. Yeah, it's been a minute, bro. It's draft season. Super Bowl coming up. The season's ending. Senior Bowl's happening right now. Uh, you know, spring practice will be coming soon in the college football world. So as much as you want to step away from football, you go from one thing, you know, you go from the season to the off season. And the biggest thing, the off season, obviously is the NFL draft, which is why we started this. We've always both been big into the draft and usually we debate and go back and forth. But at the end of the day, that's why we felt like we could start this show was just because like we both got that passion about the draft and kind of have the same passion about the same positions too. So you know, I know some of our content can be a little dry when we get into like the linemen and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I'm real heavy on that. And so are you. So definitely always makes sense to get this back going because it's draft season. Basically, once Super Bowl ends, that's the next thing that's being talked about. You get your two days of Super Bowl content and then it's it's on to the draft. Mel Kuyper going to be popping up every week on, on ESPN and all the Fox guys and they're going to be talking. So we might as well jump ahead of the curb right now. 100% um, for for another collab episode with the Morning Brew and, and Draft Capital. We will have um, Keith Sanchez from the Draft Network on next week. It will be an interview with him kind of talking about some of the same things, but maybe a little different overall. Yeah, this is where I thrive from here on out. It's about the quarterback. It's about the NFL draft and it's about my quarterback ranking. So it's a busy next like, you know, a few months for me diving into film, watching tape. But let's start. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's start there with the NFL draft. That's what we always do. I've been studying quarterbacks officially since I've been publishing rankings since 2018. And that was my first draft class. And, you know, I've seen some good ones. I've seen some bad ones since. This one, everyone thought in the offseason was going to be one of the best, maybe the best we'd had since 2019 when Joe Burrow Herbert, Tua had all come out, right? And they've all been successful. We all thought, man, that was going to be, this was going to be the best draft class since then. And some guys disappointed for us. Some guys that we thought were going to be some key guys kind of disappointed later on in the year. So I want to start off. We both have a guy who I don't see very often on the national guys, QB1. But we have him as QB1, and that's, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. For me, what I love about his tape is if you were to take a cut-up of his 10 best throws, his 10 best throws 
would be the 10 best throws out of any quarterback in this draft class, whether it's Anthony Richardson, whether it's Will Levis, whether it's Bryce Young, everything from the ability to layer the football. And what I mean by that is to get it over the linebacker's head, but drop it before the safety gets there. All those types of things, the touch, the accuracy, the deep ball accuracy, everything's there. You know, I know you Ohio State fans wanted to see him move a little bit more during the regular season. I feel like that was maybe more of a coaching thing than maybe it was him personally. Maybe Ryan Day was telling him not to do it. And then, you know, I don't know, but I, I still haven't answered why he hasn't done it during the season, but he did ver- versus Georgia. But for me to watch him, I, I was, he was my number one quarterback coming into the year and he didn't do anything dramatic to drop him from being the number one quarterback. It's not that I don't like Bryce Young. I love Bryce Young. And I think he's going to be successful in the NFL, I'm just I'm on the CJ Stroud train and I have been for for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been critical of CJ Stroud at times, but I never think like anything I've said was unrealistic. Like it's never been the whole we'd be better off without CJ. Like, you know, I'm a house state fan and it's never the we'd be better off without uh CJ Stroud or this or that. And I was telling people like as much as y'all want him gone, you're going to miss him when he's gone. Um, he's a great quarterback. I know his legacy at Ohio State will not it's a little stain not being able to beat Michigan as a star quarterback, whatever. Um, but he make bro, he makes every throw. Like, yeah, he really does. And I think the question going into the Georgia game essentially was, you know, does he have that moment? And he and he really hadn't had that moment. Like he's had games where his stats were off the charts, 500 yards, six touchdowns. But he never had a moment where where you watched him and you're like, that's a guy. And as good as you knew he was just watching him as a quarterback, you still would like to see your quarterback have that moment. And then Hooker had it, you know, um, against Alabama. Bryce Young had it. Shoot, if you want to say against Tennessee, they get your moment doesn't necessarily always end up in a win, especially when you're dueling back and forth. Um, But I think that Georgia game was his moment. And he kind of I know one game can't tell you everything about a quarterback. But he answered every question in that game that you had about him. Like, nobody questioned his arm talent. Nobody questioned his decision-making. He, he doesn't throw a bunch of interceptions. I mean, I think he threw the most interceptions this year, and he had, like, six. Like, last year, I think he was under five. This year, he threw six. Um, So he's not a turnover machine. He takes care of the ball. And I know the stigma is where you're afraid to really buy into C.J. Stroud, and it's the stigma of Ohio State quarterbacks. Um. Every year, my pushback is this, is like, who really is just out here? Who's quarterback factory? Like, you could tell me Oklahoma, but one guy has been, what, on his third team and it, it, within his first contract. Another guy had a shaky season coming out of Oklahoma. You could tell me Alabama, but... The one, one of them on can't Matt stay Devil. off the video games. Yeah, like, and then you, you tell me about Alabama. All right, I mean, I guess it depends on if you claim Jalen Hurts or not. That's a conversation for another day. Um, Clemson is probably it with two of them. And that's Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson outside of that. Like nobody's just like, bro, all the playoff quarterbacks went to different colleges. Like nobody's just out here. So I know the stigma of like, they put up a lot of numbers. So I think that's why you'd be afraid to buy into CJ Stroud. But, and I know I said this before about a prospect and it was Dwayne Haskins, you know, um, where it was just different. Like the way he could throw the ball was just different. Um, and he didn't pan out, but at the same time, like, I think eventually one's going to pop. Every college has one that pops. Could be Stroud, could not be, but based on what I've seen in his two years, bro, like, he, he 
There's nobody who throws the ball better than him in college football right now. And maybe the one that does isn't even draft eligible right now. Yeah, 100%. Here's the thing. Um, with, with a guy like C.J. Stroud, I think he's going to get overlooked by guys like – because guys like Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are going to come out. They'll probably get on their knees during the uh, – scouting combine and throw the ball 65 yards and scouts are going to lose their mind and people are going to trade up to get these guys and will levis or not will levis anthony richardson's going to run a low four fours in in the in the nfl combine his quarterback coach jenny thompson talked about it on a radio show in jacksonville how when people are going to be shocked to see how fast he runs like he's only going to be rivaled by lamar jackson as far as a pure runner in the nfl once he enters and so, you know, all those types of things. And that leads me into the Anthony Richardson conversation. You have him at quarterback four. I have him at quarterback five. It's safe to say we're around the same place on Anthony Richardson. I don't have a first-round grade on him. I wrote in an article for the Off the Ball Network that I had a third-round grade on him. And it's not – I'm not trying to be harsh, and I'm not trying to say that I don't think he can't succeed. I do. But you don't take a guy in the first round – that you that all these scouts keep telling me need to sit for two years. That that's not a guy you take at nine. That's not a guy you take at ten. That's not a guy you take in the top fifteen. He's going to go there because of the talent he's got, and he's going to go there because of the skill he's got. But he's very comparable to a guy like Malik Willis, who came out last year, who has a big arm, who's fast, who has all these things, not really refined as a passer. I would argue. In the intermediate to medium levels, Malik Willis was a bit better of a thrower. Anthony Richardson's got a big arm, bigger arm. But I look at it and I say he's a he's got a third round grade for me. I, I know some other guys that have have a second round grade on him, but understand he's probably gonna go in the first. I just think the risk is large, so is the reward. Don't get me wrong, the reward's there. And Rick Spielman, the former Minnesota Vikings GM, talked about this, and I agree. He's going to be one of those guys where if you're a GM and you draft him and he hits, you're getting an extension. You can sign your paycheck however much money you want because you struck on this guy. But he's also a guy where if he misses, like, you're fired. Like, this is going to be – he's either going to – like, he's the definition of a boomer bust, and it's like the ultimate definition of a boomer bust, in my opinion – there's just a lot of question marks, and this isn't a guy I would take in, in the top 10. I hesitate to, I would really hesitate to take him in the first round. And, you know, I could live with the second round pick. I know he's going to go in the first. I know he's going to go in the top 10. He'll probably go in the top five. But I'm just saying, this is a guy who's got a lot of question marks. The highs are there. There's talent there. There's a chance he can succeed. And I think in the right situation, which we'll talk about after I hear your assessment on him. I think in the right situation, he could succeed. I wrote that in the article as well. I just, there's a lot of question marks. And when there's this many question marks and there's this high of a risk, you don't take him in the top 10. Yeah. And so to refer to your article, um, well written, by the way, thank you. Here's where, and I don't want to say debunk your theory because your theory is 100% correct. Like you brought all the facts. My thing is, I don't really think I care now about history of these type of quarterbacks. We're in a new era of football, um, and there's no real recipe to know who the right quarterback is. Like You know what I'm saying? So when I look at it, it's like you could tell me he's the perfect quarterback, and then he's a bust. You could tell me this guy wasn't no good, and he's a starting quarterback, 
playing in the Super Bowl. Um, you could tell me you were iffy on where you looked at him and you looked at his potential and he hit. Like, so for every Patrick Mahomes, there's gonna be 10 other guys that you're gonna compare to Patrick Mahomes, right? And he's not, they're not gonna be Patrick Mahomes. Like, so when I look at Anthony Richardson, bro, he has the physical tools, like body size, arm. Um, I know it's a accuracy, but I, I do factor a little bit. And I think the Will Levis, like the Kentucky versus Iowa game of the bowl game made me kind of just change my whole aspect of everything. Like, bro, he wasn't throwing to nobody. Like, him or Will Levis. Like, neither one of them were throwing to anybody. And so you've seen that kind of be exposed when they didn't play. So I think with Anthony Richardson, I, I really like him. Um, I mean, you're not wrong for having him at five. We're in the same. I'm, I'm one ahead, right? So yeah. there's still the three guys I like ahead of him. Um, He's not a day one starter, but... There's like a few teams that are maybe one to two, three years away max of moving on from their current quarterback. And I think that'll be the perfect situation for him where you know you have a steady quarterback that he's going to start this year and we're going to be a good team or a solid team, borderline playoff team with starting quarterback who is on the roster right now. And you just let them develop. And, and I think that's the biggest thing with quarterbacks is everybody talks about all these quarterback gurus, but who's really developing these quarterbacks. Like it's all about situation. Everything is about situation. And I know Patrick Mahomes is, he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen, but would his talent be maximized? He would still have this talent playing for any of the 31 other franchises, but talent alone doesn't get you a job. So now are you in the right situation with somebody who can maximize my talent? And so that's what I get. Like, he got to get in the right situation. I mean, we can say that about every quarterback, but I think you'll fall in love with Anthony Richardson. But I think it's on scouts, and I think it's on GMs, and I think it's on coaching staffs when these quarterbacks don't succeed because there's going to be a cocky guy who's going to go tell the GM, if you give me, if I get my hands on him, I can, we can do wonders. And then they don't have the ability to maximize his potential. And then he becomes where, with your theory of your history is on your side, and I think it's more to blame these scouts and all these guys who think when there's a special talent, if I get my hands on them, 32 teams will say that about one guy. And there's what, maybe two or three right fits where if he goes there, like that's perfect for him. So that's why I'm with, that's why I am with Anthony Richardson. I mean, bro, he has the arm. He's he's probably one of you know, they say it. I heard Mel Kuyper say it the other day. He steps on the field, he'll be one of the top five running quarterbacks. Um, you know, as far as leg ability, as soon as he steps on an NFL field. And, and I said in my article, he'll have a top 10 arm the second he steps in the league. Yeah, and we're stepping in that route where, you know, the traditional quarterback is pretty much done. Uh, you look at all the, the, the old quarterback is pretty much done. I mean, the only one that I still would bank on is probably it is Aaron Rodgers. I still think because his talent was unmatched. One little down year from Aaron Rodgers is not going to be like, yep, we're completely on to a new era, but we are. Like, we went into the playoffs. The minute Tom Brady got knocked out, you realize Dak was the oldest starting quarterback left in the playoffs? Like, we're in the new era of quarterbacks, and we're in the new era of football. And so I think Anthony Richardson, like, I think his highest of highs could be Cam Newton. But if you look at Cam Newton, like, until he hurt his shoulder and it changed the way he had to throw the ball, Cam Newton was an MVP. Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl. Cam Newton was one of the five to seven best quarterbacks, period, in the NFL in his peak. And the whole thing is if Anthony Richardson, if his peak is Cam Newton, but he never hurts his throwing shoulder, then he's Cam Newton for the next 10 to 12, 15 years. And you're talking about an elite quarterback. So 
even on his low end, I don't really have like I, I have his ceiling. But the ceiling of Cam Newton is not the Cam Newton that everybody remembers in the past three to four years. I'm talking about in his prime, the way he could throw the ball, the way he could run the ball, his size, you couldn't bring him down. Like I think that's Anthony Richardson's peak. And we're only talking about if Cam Newton never got hurt, who knows how the rest of his career finishes. So I think if Anthony Richardson, as long as he don't get hurt and quarterbacks get hurt all the time, you know, Cam Newton didn't get hurt running the ball. He got hurt in the pocket. So that's where I'm at with Anthony Richardson, though. I think I think the dude's really good. I know his completion percentage will run you off. Um, his best game was against Tennessee. That was something I got down. 24-44, 453 yards, two touchdowns. Also 62 rush yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, he threw two or he threw one interception. Um, it's gonna happen. Even in your best game, a quarterback could easily make a mistake and still get to rolling. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a playoff game of a tale of two halves. He was a bum in the first half and an elite quarterback in the second half. So the end result is what matters. So just I kind of am infatuated with Anthony Richardson, but I think you need to be smart about this. And if you're expecting him to come into training camp and be and, and compete for a starting spot, it's not the right, it's not the right, um, it's not the right move. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think about a guy like Anthony Richardson, and it brings me back to this Lamar thing because I talked about this in 2018 when Lamar came out. I didn't have a podcast then, so you know, I was annoying my friends all the time. But I said it's great that Lamar can run, and it's great Lamar's got a big arm. And I, Lamar, Lamar got a lot of comps to Michael Vick, right? When Michael Vick, when Lamar came out, and I've always said this, and I don't mean this in like a bad way, but it's it's how I distinguish the two versions of Michael Vick. I've always said there were there was pre-prison Michael Vick and post-prison Michael Vick. Um, pre-prison Michael Vick is the one. Word it better, you could just say Atlanta Falcons Vick in Philly. Yeah, Vic. there we go. I don't take no offense to it, but I'm just saying, like, even with that, it's like Atlanta Falcons Vick, Philadelphia Eagles yeah. Vick. I know if you have to state, I don't mean no harm by this every time. You know, somebody gonna find a way to get offended. So 100%. Vick and Eagles Vick. Yeah. So when you look at the Atlanta Vick and you turn on top 10 highlights, they're all running highlights. There's a few few passing highlights here and there. They're all running highlights. But you you look at Michael Vick's Eagles highlights, Jets highlights, Steelers highlights. This is a guy who learned to throw from the pocket, win, all those types of things. And it's the evolution. People talk about, and I hear people talk about this on podcasts all the time, we're in that new era of rushing quarterbacks and running quarterbacks. And, and we are. And I'm not denying that. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to make two or three throws in the in the pocket, timing, accuracy, on the money, where it needs to be, on time, in the big situations, all those types of things. Vic realized that he evolutionized. Lamar has not made that leap into being that thrower of the football, especially when all your God-given talents eventually start to deteriorate and you're not as fast as you used to be. You're not as elusive as you used to be. I'm not saying Lamar is taking a step back. I don't want people to say that, but eventually he will. That's what I'm getting at with Anthony Richardson. I said the same thing about Drew Locke. Congratulations, you have an arm and you can throw it 70 yards. But can you, when when they take away that deep ball, can you complete that 15-yard out route consistently, day in and day out, pass in, pass out, to methodically matriculate down the field to make, to pass and to get in the end zone, you didn't see it a lot with Anthony Richardson. I go to that Texas A&M game. He makes a, a huge throw down the field, and you look at it and you say, oh, my God, like that's a next-level throw. The very next play, he makes a boneheaded interception, 
and you look at it and you're saying, man, what were you, what were you even thinking on those throws? That's where I struggle with Anthony Richardson. The guy's going to throw at 70 yards. He's going to have the, a deep ball. He's going to run fast. Those are great traits. Those are great things. But it's the middle to short accuracy when you got to get there. It's third and five. I'm, I'm not saying it has to be in the fourth quarter every time, but you got to kill the momentum of the other team. Can you accurately make that throw every time? We even see Josh Allen don't do it. You go to the uh, Miami game earlier in the year when they lost, Josh Allen got sloppy with his mechanics, and it went back to Wyoming Josh Allen, the Josh Allen that I didn't think was going to succeed. That ball nosedived five yards, and he was five yards away from the receiver. That ball nosedived into the ground. Those are the things where I question about Anthony Richardson, but I do agree with you. In the right situation, he can be successful. And so that's why I say, okay, this is – if all right, Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist. Andy Reid drafts Anthony Richardson. Do you think he'd be successful? I guess a shot. I I think he would be because he, he re, Michael Vick reinvented himself under Andy Reid. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has maximized his talent to be the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in our lifetime under Andy Reid. So let me ask you this: Do you think if all right, Daniel Jones doesn't exist, Anthony Richardson with Brian Dayball, do you not think he succeeds? I would say yes, because that same terrible quarterback that you had coming out of Wyoming under Brian Dayball turned into, what, one of the three or four best quarterbacks in football right now. Yep. He did regress a little bit, but if you look at statistically, he didn't, but it was the eye test. Like when you're watching Josh Allen, you know you're not watching the same Josh Allen that you expected to take a step and lead his team to the Super Bowl. And then on the Brian Dayball thing, we thought everybody was done with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones looks like a good guy. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not saying he's going to be top five, top ten. But Daniel Jones looks like you put a couple receivers around him, he's pretty good. You think Anthony Richardson, Jalen Hurts doesn't exist. You think Anthony Richardson will be successful under Nick Sirianni? That one, I don't, that one, that one I'm 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 questioning. I'm going to tell you why. Here's why I'm going to tell you why. And I know, like, that's drafting him to places that already have quarterbacks. But what I'm saying is they're – Everybody said there's people said a lot of the same stuff about Jalen Hurts. And even after his rookie year, oh, he can't make the throw. Even after last year, like going into this year, look how much Jalen Hurts was questioned. And so what did the team do? They got him a number one wide receiver in AJ Brown. They had already drafted Devontae Smith. They they got a good slot receiver. You they built the team. And once they got him that number one receiver, Jalen Hurts is now playing in a Super Bowl. A guy that going into the year. We looked at Philly has two first-round picks. They could move up for C.J. Stroud, this and that. That same quarterback, first off, took a big leap in year three and also is playing in the Super Bowl. So I do think if the right guy gets the hands on a talent like Anthony Richardson, I do see success. The problem is for every Jalen Hurts, for every Daniel Jones, for every Patrick Mahomes, there's those. Tw- there's Dwayne Haskins. There's, you know, uh Essentially, Justin Fields, I think he's made a leap this year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't look good as a rookie under Urban Meyer. Looks uh, wonders different under, you know, uh, with Doug Peterson. So I do think, like, for every guy that that does have success, there's 10 that don't. But it is all about getting in the right hands. The only problem is his chances. There are 32 chances of him going somewhere. His chances are what? Maybe 20%. He's 20% likely to land in the right spot that's perfect for him that will groom him and turn him into a quality or superstar possible starting quarterback. The chances of you even being drafted and being a good quarterback 
we get what two, two out of the first round, maybe every year turn into at least at least competent quarterbacks, let alone starting quarterbacks. So it's all about fit and situation and where you go. And I think Anthony Richardson really could benefit not being a top five pick. I don't think he'll be a top five pick. I think that's I think he's going at nine. Who's at nine? Carolina. And I I say I say that for this reason. I think that's cool though. I think think Carolina and I've already mapped this out in my head. I think Frank Reich brings in a Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe a Jacoby Brissett, somebody who's familiar with the system. You could keep Sam Donald knowing that, okay, we're going to suck for a year anyway. Who cares? You're going to suck regardless. So you can just, but I think it's, I think with Anthony, you gotta, if you're going to pitch to your owner or your GM that you're going to draft Anthony, you got to have a two year plan. And Sam doesn't fit two year plan. So I think a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Jacoby Brissett who's played well in Frank Reich's system would make sense to me. You bring them in, you say, listen, for two years, this is our guy. We'll sit Anthony behind. He'll learn. He'll look great in the preseason, all this type of stuff. And then we'll do what you know the Chiefs did. We'll trade away our guy, and we'll we'll roll with the next generation for the next decade to be the guy. For me, I think Carolina's the perfect spot. I still have faith in Frank Reich. I know people don't, but that's just me. But uh yeah, let's move on to the corners now because we have the same number one corner, I believe. No, we don't. We have the we same don't. top five. We don't have the same number one okay. corner. Okay. Who's your number one corner? Christian Gonzalez. Okay. So I debated. I'm going to get on your head for in a second, but go ahead and tell me why Witherspoon's your number one. Well, the very first tape I turned on was the Indiana tape. And I watched a screen pass go to Sean Shivers, and I watched this guy light Sean Shivers up. Mm -hmm. I mean, light him up. The guy's great in man coverage. He's very, very good in man coverage. I question, the only question I have with Witherspoon, I think, is his zone coverage. They didn't do a lot of it in Illinois. And when when they did, he wasn't really great. So he's either going to be a guy who disappears in zone coverage when they play it in the NFL or, you know, he could be great. I'm not saying, I mean, we're talking about, you know, he could be developed into being a really good zone coverage corner as well, but I I do question his own ability, but this is a guy who I think man to man coverage wise could come out and year one compete with maybe some of the top receivers man to man coverage wise. I mean, he locked down a lot of the top corner or top receivers in college football last year. I mean, some of the top in the Big Ten, shall I say. There's not a lot of great wide receivers in the Big he Ten. He didn't lock up nobody worth talking about. In the yeah, Big you're right, though. They you're didn't right, play though. Ohio but, State. He ain't locked nobody up worth talking about. I had the same reaction, though, watching Chris, Christian Gonzalez. So I'm not mad. I love Christian Gonzalez. I don't know. I, I, I just haven't watched enough of him mm-hmm. to, to put him at one. Again, these are rough draft rankings. I put him at three because... I'd seen more of Joey Porter and I've seen more of, of Devin Witherspoon. But when the official rankings come out, there might be a chance Gonzalez gets there because my initial reaction was, I love this kid. So let me ask you this. Why is Keely Ringo four? Why? Like, let me ask it specifically. Why is going into the season in almost the whole season, the best corner headed into the draft, the projected, and you're not the only one that's I've seen this consistently. Where did Keely Ringo go wrong that he's dropped where 
you know, the pre and I know preseason, listen, preseason doesn't mean anything when it comes to mock drafts because then the season has to be played. Your stock can rise, your stock can fall. But what has Keely Ringo done for his stock to fall? Because, like, people think this is a guy who we didn't think would make it out of the top 10, like zero shot into now, like, I've seen him on mock drafts. So I'm talking about professional, you know, analysts. Like, he could end up a Dallas Cowboy, which I would love. But I just don't see – I never saw that throughout the season as being realistic. So, what is it where, like, like what what game is it? Who What what matchup is it that pointed you where he's number four now? Because I'm sure he's your number one going into the season. I'm pretty sure. I don't think there was anything in particular. Now, I can't speak – for me, I try not to do this because, you know, I fought against it with Kayvon Thibodeau last year because I thought he was a victim of the prospect fatigue. I think a lot of it for a lot of the guys around the country is prospect fatigue. For me, I think at times there's a lot of stiffness in his movement. He's not like he's not as fluid as you would like for him to be or those types of things. He's shown great great abilities, and I I love big corners, and he's a bigger corner in this draft class. But there, I don't know, man. There's nothing in particular he did. I just like the other guys better in particular. I don't like some of the other guys' matchups, and so when I see what you look like against, all right, Marvin Harrison Jr. was cooking. Any corner in the country was getting cooked by Marvin Harrison Jr. Joey Porter Jr. had to find that out himself. <laughs> uh, so that game that Marvin Harrison Jr. was playing really well until he got knocked out of the game. Like, I'm not going to kill Keely Ringo for that because I'm not going to kill Joey Porter Jr. for that. But that's also why I'm not putting Porter Jr. over Keely Ringo Um, because Keely Ringo, my number two. Um, And I'm not I'm not buying into the hype of Witherspoon yet. And the reason I say that is because, like, even though he does pop on film, there, there's, a, there's a guy, and I remember this. I remember this so well that his – Read his read Witherspoon's scouting report from a from from a professional, you know, develop your own match it to a professional analyst. You know, the guys that that do this 10 times more than we do. And then go back and read Eli Apple's scouting report. And if you don't tell me it ain't about the same thing, it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. I know this from firsthand experience, obviously dealing with the fact that he went top 10, I thought was crazy. Um, in the first place, I'm an Ohio State fan. Like, I always want to see my guys eat and, and go on to the next level. But I'm like, I watch this guy every game. Like, if there's one, pro- if there's any prospect I know, it's, it's going to be an Ohio State guy because I watch them hard for three and a half hours. I, I critique them post game. I talk about them all the time. But if you list, if you watch his scouting report, and guess how many times the word potential pops up? The potential, oh, wow. the, the potential of what he has because of his size, because he got some speed. So that's why I get a little weary. Like, okay, I watched everybody buying the Eli Apple. Now, Eli Apple's film to me wasn't as great as Witherspoon's, but I still like, okay, like Eli Apple had tougher matchups than Witherspoon did. He never got, we never got to see what he looks like against a Marvin Harrison Jr. and a Mecca Abuka. Um, we never got to see what he looks like against some of those top receivers, some one of those guys from USC. Uh, one that so that's why I look at is like who did you play and how did you look against the top tier talent like that they, them guys that are going to the NFL. I watched Keely Ringo, even though Marvin Harrison Jr. was good, bro. You do realize like he only had five catches and they were big plays, but at the same time, like they weren't all on Keely Ringo. They weren't all one on one. Keely Ringo moved them off his routes a few times. Like I paid attention to that. Keely Ringo guarded Malik Neighbors. 
Malik Neighbors is going to be arguably the best receiver, one of the three best receivers of college football next year, right along Marvin Harrison Jr. He has that kind of potential. Locked him up. You know what I'm saying? Locked him up. And so when I look at it, like, okay, he, he played really well against the future NFL talent. Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr., barring injury, are going to be drafted in the first round as wide receivers. And Keely Ringo not only held his own, but had some he had some wins on reps um, in those games. And so I'm just not knocking Keely Ringo down. I had him as number one coming in. I'm knocking him down to two. Uh, Christian Gonzalez really wowed me. I think he played some good talent over there in the Pac-12. Pac-12 played some pretty good ball and had some good athletes on the outside that he had to guard as well. Um, but just Keely Ringo, I want to say, and I won't say your disrespect to him, but I feel like when the consensus is that he was coming in as number one and now he's dropping, like I'm sensing a like, like maybe am I just, can I not get off of that? He was my top corner coming in. Like, am I just, maybe I'm wrong and I'm looking at it from a different lens because he was my cornerback one coming in. But I feel like with him being cornerback one and you kind of came to the same conclusion is that he hasn't given us a reason to be why he's not one of the top two to three corners. So yeah, this was stood out to me. Yeah, definitely. And again, this is a rough draft. I, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of tape on any of these guys. I try to watch. I try to watch a, three games a piece of each corner. You know, you get. I try to find their best game, an okay game, and maybe a you know a bad game to kind of see some things. Uh, so I haven't had the opportunity to do that with all of them yet. But so he'll he may move up. You know, I also we'll see. But Christian Gonzalez is a guy who I loved as well. The tape wowed me as soon as I turned it on. I just I I couldn't pull that trigger quite yet because I am early in the process of watching these corners. Mm-hmm. But he did wow me when I turned on the tape. He did. Yeah, he's a dude. I, the, the only thing is, I think there's a lot of really good corners. But what I don't want to hear is we're not about this, we're not about to find the next Sauce Garner. Like they're, these guys are really good, but don't make the expectation is whoever your number one is, is Sauce Garner. Like, and you and me talked about this last year. Sauce Garner was both our cornerback number one, and he was just a dude. And yeah, he's different. As good as these guys are, he's different. And we knew that. As good as these yeah. guys are, I think these guys are pretty good. I think Porter Jr. pretty good. Um, I think he's a deep really class. Good. It may not, the top may not be as good as the top was last year. But there's it's almost just as good. There's just, good. Um, there's good depth in it's this. It's really good. It just ain't sauce good. But yeah. like, if I if you tell me like Keely Ringo is the Derek Stingley of this draft, I could see it. Like, it's just it's really really good. It's just I don't think. And one of these guys could prove me wrong and be the next. You know, have a rookie season like Sauce Garner. But I just think going into it, you'll have to prove it to me. I think you a step below. But being a step below under an All Pro rookie corner is nothing to be ashamed about. I just don't think we're getting this isn't Patrick Sertan or or um uh Sauce Garner, but this is like JC Horn and Tyreek Woolen, who we look back at now was underdrafted at like crazy. He could have been a first round pick at corner this year, the way he played. I think it's those guys who are like very good. They just not sauce. Patrick Sertan up there now in his second year, but even his rookie year, he was really good. He just wasn't sauce good. He wasn't all pro corner. As a rookie, good, but like you could, you could be a Pro Bowl corner. You could be that borderline, like okay, going into your second year, like this guy's gonna be a Pro Bowler because a lot of these really elite corners are aging, and that young, that young group is taking over, led by you know Sauce Garner and Patrick Sertan. And so I think a lot of these guys will have potential where they're 
I think there's a lot of day one starters at cornerback for teams. I agree. I agree. All right. I would say outside of quarterback, the best position I've been able to predict, I think, has been linebacker. I don't know why it's been linebacker. I don't know how it's been linebacker in the in the past, but it's been a it's been a draft it's been a draft position I've been relatively good at predicting, I think. And I haven't watched the linebackers this year. I know you've watched some of them. Who are some of your favorites in this one? I know a big guy coming in was uh Noah Sewell, Panay Sewell's brother. His brother um, yeah, I know he was a big guy coming in. Uh, the kid from Clemson's getting a lot of hype right now as well. So just, I don't know who you've watched. Who are some guys you've watched, and what are your thoughts so far on this linebacker class? So both of those are guys I've watched. They're both of my top three. The other guy, Noah Sewell's number two. Um, Trenton Simpson's number one. And then uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, he's number three uh, for me. Then I think there's a, there there is some drop-offs. Like, I think... This is a good linebacker class. I think it's top heavy in those top three. I think those are definitely day one starters. Um, you know, then you got Hen- Henry Toto, who uh, uh, he he has flashes of like he could be really good. I think he'll fit in the NFL. He's a little bit small for my liking, but you know, you go in as a small linebacker, they'll beef you up. Um, and then what's his name? I cannot think of his name. I just shot a blank from TCU. Um. Yeah, I know God, who you're talking what's about. Name, what's his name? It's gonna bother me. D. Winters. D. Winters. I had to look at my list. I'm like, I, I wanted to think of his name on top, but I had to look at my list. So D. Winters is one of those. I don't think he's a top five to seven linebacker prospect, but I think like he's one of those guys. He falls in that fourth, fifth round, maybe even falls to the sixth. I think he's a guy who you'll hear his name mid to late season next year, and he he's an impact. Maybe an injury happens or whatever, and he gets to come in and play. Um, that game against Michigan was insane. I mean, he came to play against who people are calling arguably the best offensive line in the country, and I don't attest to that. They are, but he wrecked havoc on Michigan's offensive line all day. And so as much as you could be like, nah, he was hit or miss, he would have a really big game, and you saw like you saw in the national championship, and you ain't hear his name called once, really. Um, but they just were outmatched from top to bottom in that game. But he is hit or miss. His his high games are very high. His low games are almost like, dude, did you even try today? Um, but I think in the NFL, they maximize your potential, or you're you're out the league. Like you either work hard and bring your best, and your best isn't always going to be an A plus game. But you bring A plus effort every night, or you won't have a spot in the league. And so I think he'll grasp onto that. He'll get in these workouts, and he'll understand. You know, it's not college anymore. You're not better than everybody that you step on the field. You can't just flip a switch. Um, especially coming in, you're not going to be one of those. You're not the most talented guy to just flip a switch and Michael Parsons it up whenever you feel like it. But at the same time, I think mid to late season, whatever team snags him is going to be lucky to have him. And I think it'll be a playoff type team that he made some plays down the stretch throughout the regular season, whereas a rookie, he had an impact going into the playoffs for that team's success on the defensive side of the field. So he's my like sleeper guy. And I, I, it's tough to say he's a sleeper when like his breakout game on the national stage was on New Year's Eve against Michigan. So now like people know who he is and people know who I'm talking about. Um, because I think TCU went undefeated and flew under the radar on the national scale, essentially. Um, but when he got put on the map, you know, his first game, he did show up and show out. And so I think that's gonna wow some people a little bit. And I think, you know, he'll be a name that when your team drafts him in that late third, fourth, maybe even fifth round, 
you, you're like, oh, okay, I remember that guy. He, he, he's a dude the last time I seen him because you didn't watch more than a quarter unless you were a college football fan uh, of the national championship. So yeah. you won't even know if he did anything late in the game. But at the same time, like that, that big game on the national stage will gain him some respect. And I think a fan base would love to have him at some point. Like that's where I'm at with him. You know, I always want to put my sleeper pick, my sleeper guy out there because, you know, like Tyreek Woolen is cra- it's crazy. He was my sleeper guy last year. And like, I feel like I hit a lot last year on, on a lot of stuff. I except probably quarterbacks. I didn't. We didn't really care, we cared about quarterbacks. But quarterbacks kinda, were rough. It was rough to predict last year. Yeah, we kind of knew. Like, there's not really a bunch of starters in. I here. mean, a lot of people thought Malik Willis was gonna be a first round pick, and he fell. Yeah, you try and make you try and make yourself fall in love with all these guys and figure yeah. out what's three to four starter or you know first round picks and possibly day one starters. I think, but everywhere else though, like. You know, just to beat on my – I think a lot of us were were pretty on point because, I mean, you were either good or you weren't last year and a lot of that. But with Tyreek Woolen being like my sleeper pick at corner last year, my sleeper pick, you know, at the linebacker position, that that's who it would be. Yeah, 100%. Well, Mo, I haven't had a chance to look at the linebackers. I'm going to do that relatively soon. And then I'm going to look at some edge rushers. Again, edge a lot like I was saying with the corners. The top isn't as good as the top was last year, but I think there's a lot of depth here at the edge position for this draft class, at least from what I'm hearing anyways. But um, yeah, so for those of you listening, uh, wide receivers and running backs will be out in the next couple of weeks. I think running backs for me will be out next week, and then the following week will be wide receivers. What are we hitting on first, running backs or wide receivers? I'm hitting running backs first. All right, cool. Because so- I, I have a list almost done. I, I've I've got my I've got my top eight guys. I think that's my I think that's gonna be my cutoff this year is eight. I think I'm gonna do top eight this year for a lot of for a lot of positions. How much did Blake Clorn mess up your rankings coming back to school? Did he mess you up a little bit? You want me to give you a you want me to give you a secret? What? He would have been running back one if he came out. Woo! And I love and we can talk about it now if you want. We can, we NFL can talk, wise, I would have had him too. We can now, talk. We can talk about Bijan and my concerns with Bijan because I have some that like you're going to give him the Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor treatment. You're going to give him that treat. He's been he's been a workhorse for Texas. No, and, no, no, no. no? I'll give him, I'm going to give him the Derrick Henry, Jonathan T- Taylor treatment in a different way, and it's everyone tells me he's the next one of them as far as top guys in this in the NFL and the talents there. But when you turn on the tape for Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin and he gets in that second level, he's gone. No, no, no catching him. He's gone. You saw that in the NFL. He takes a screen past 60 yards. He gets in that second level. He's gone. Derrick Henry. We've seen him take runs 90 something yards, 60 something yards, 70 something yards. There was a lot of times on tape where I'm watching Bijan. I'm saying, all right, this is where he's going to break away. This is where he's going to – and he doesn't do it. But where Blake Corum does and some of these other guys do, where it's like that that was a 10-yard run, but that easily could have been a 30- or 40-yard run had he kicked it in that second gear. I don't know if he just didn't do it or if he doesn't have that second gear. Those are two different conversations. But the question is, there's a, there was a lot of times on tape where you watch him hit a hole and you're like – all right, now's where he's going to take off and he's going to go untouched. And then he gets dragged down about 17 yards. And you're like, 
that should have been a 40 yard run. What happened there? So those are some of the questions I have with Bijan. We'll dive deeper into it later on when I get into my rankings, but yeah, Blake Corum for that reason. And I think for others, other reasons, had he come out, would have been my run, my, my RB one. He would have been my two going into the NFL draft understanding, obviously how the NFL is, but, but in the middle of the season and listen, I tweeted this at about probably prematurely. I tweeted this around week four, week five of the college football season. And I got a lot of flack for it because that was when everybody was still riding the bees. You got, fl- you got flack from me too. Yeah. But then you persuaded everybody me. Was, everybody was riding the Bijan train. And I, it was more a question I asked out loud. Like, are we sure Blake Corum isn't the best running back in the country? And then it was the level of competition they were playing. Like, you know, Texas had already played Alabama. Michigan hadn't played nobody. But sometimes I don't necessarily – those somebodies have big games against nobodies. And that man hadn't had a hun- under 100 yards yet. And it was just one of those, like, when I'm watching him, it's exactly everything you said. But I, it came off as premature. But then I, I'm telling you, by, like, week 10 – you know, had it two to three weeks before, you know, rivalry week and, and conference championships. I started seeing a whole bunch of people talking about, you know, Blake Corm. He's the best running back in the country. And I'm like, I'm not the initiator. I'm sure there were plenty of people. I'm just saying, on my timeline feed, like, I got a lot of flack for it. You and me talked about it. And I was, it wasn't like I'm 100% sure that this is the best running. But I'm like, am I what? Like, I'm watching this dude, and I just can't find a reason why I don't think he's the best running back in the country. And I also felt like coming from me, that was a sense of high praise because I'm over here tweeting out loud, praising a Michigan player. Like I'm watching a Michigan game and praising a Michigan player that he's the best at his position in the country. So that's why I felt like, you know, maybe people will hear me out because like, wow, you just said a Michigan player is the best at something he does. Like, oh, yeah, let me listen. And I think that's why you listen. And by week 10, it seemed very consensus that before Blake Corum got hurt, he was the best running back in the country. Like, but by, by when it was all said and done at the end of the season, I think, you know, he probably didn't lead in yards. I know that Illinois running back was pretty good. Um, you know, I know Wisconsin had a pretty good running back. You know, I know Jameer Gibbs was really good. But, man, I think Blake Corum turned himself into – that's why – and we'll dive into it in running back because I really want to just be able to answer the question, why the hell he coming back? I know he's coming off an injury, but he didn't tear his ACL. Like, it was a possibility he could have played in the national championship. Not saying he would have, but there was a possibility. So – I don't see why he's coming back, but I'm sure we'll dive in. We ain't going to get into the running backs, but we'll dive into that next week when we talk about running backs. Yeah, because there's a guy who I was high on last year that didn't come out that's coming out this year that I'm high on this year as well. So, you know, we'll that will be another conversation for another time. But, Mo, real quick, obviously, this is the Draft Capital podcast, so we co-host that. You can always find the, the stuff here at the Draft Capital. But... With the Up in Flames podcast and your off the ball network work, where can they find you and and on Twitter and social media and just overall? Yeah, you can follow me at Up in Flames Pod on Instagram at Mo underscore Cheese fifteen on Twitter. A new logo is um, finishing up, cooked up in the works. A new Up in Flames intro is finished, cooking up in the works. Not change the directions of what it does, but I want a more makeover of like who I am. So I'm changing it. Everybody can see me. Put my face on my work essentially and put my stamp on everything as far as when you know when you're listening you know it's me when it pops up on your phone you know it's me um so a new logo new intro coming um and yeah you can listen to up in flames anywhere you get your podcast momentarily uh just drop that episode talking nba really diving into the nba now the football season's over with so 
but as always, bro, I can't, you know, it's, it's draft season. So this is going to be weekly. Um, probably every Wednesday we record, hopefully can kind of be the set date. I think this worked out perfect for me and my yeah. Wednesdays. Book, so, but this is definitely going to be every week. We, we mock drafts will be coming probably in the next month. Yep. We'll start a weekly or a mock draft 1.0, 2.0. Maybe we get about two or three of them in and go back and forth and be able to do that. So I don't, I, I will say I don't do 10 like Ryan Wilson and some of these other guys do two to three, bro. I'm not, I do, I do one, I do one early. So there'll probably be one within the next couple of weeks. I do one shortly after combine and pro days. And then I kind of do one. Yeah. Right, put that stamp right before, like right three, before, because you finally get some, a really good gist of who you think is going to go where towards the end of the draft, but I don't do I don't do ten or twenty like Ryan Wilson of CBS does, or like Mel Kiper or any of them do. But yeah, so that that'll be out. My big board will probably come out the week of the NFL draft. I'll drop my big board. I mean, I'll I'll be doing player rankings all year, but where each player is, you know, we'll find out towards the end. But yeah, I'm excited. The drafts here. I've been like I said, I've been studying quarterbacks since 2018. But for the first time since that time, I actually have an interest and a and a need for my favorite NFL team and a quarterback. So this one's a little bit personal for me. So, you know, it, it's the first time since I've really been studying that there's a real shot that my team may take a quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see. I want it to be C.J. Stroud. I would love Bryce Young as well. I can be talked into Will Levis, but that's about it. So... Outside of that, yep. But yeah, every week, next week, be sure to tune in. Um, like I said, we'll have an interview with the Draft Network's Keith Sanchez. We'll kind of talk about just overall some stuff. I had some questions. I wanted to ask him some overall things. Anthony Richardson o- overall. I guess I'm waiting for somebody to fully persuade me on mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson. I think that's what I'm looking for. But overall, yeah, that's what we got coming up. We got some works maybe with some players coming up, maybe some player coaches, those different types of things. But yeah, a lot big years, got some big plans up for the NFL draft content this year. Yeah. So definitely make sure you stay tuned in and bro. I always love working with you. So we gonna, we gonna get this going for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, a big thank you to everybody listening. Big thank you to Mo, my co-host on the draft capital as well. Hey, follow us on social media, help share the podcast, help it grow. Wherever you are, have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is, you have a good one, and we'll see you next week.